chromosomes. Little strands of nucleic acids and proteins are the fundamental genetic instructions that tell us who we are at birth. Most people are born with 46 chromosomes, but each year in the United States, about 6,000 people are born with an extra chromosome, making them a person with Down syndrome. If you've ever encountered someone with Down syndrome, you know that they are some of the kindest, most joyful people you will ever meet. They truly have something extra. My name is Lisa Nichols, and I have spent the last 24 years as both the CEO of Technology Partners and as the mother to Allie. Allie has something extra in every sense of the word. I have been blessed to be by her side as she impacts everyone she meets. Through these two important roles as CEO and mother to Allie, I have witnessed countless life lessons that have fundamentally changed the way I look at the world. While you may not have an extra chromosome, every leader has something extra that defines who you are. Join me as I explore the something extra in leaders from all walks of life and discover how that difference in each of them has made a difference in their companies, their families, their communities, and in themselves. I am thrilled to have Tabitha Saris on the show today. Tabitha is an executive director of the Inspire CIO Leadership Network. If you like this episode today, please go to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen and leave us a five-star rating. Tabitha, I am so excited for our conversation today. You know, we have so much to talk about. So thank you so much for making the time to be on the Something Extra podcast. Oh, Lisa, it's my pleasure. When you approached me, I think I cried a little. I was so excited. Oh, my goodness. Well, I told you we're going to have a lot of fun, but we do have a lot to talk about. And I know that a lot of people in St. Louis know you because you worked at the RCGA, but you're doing something different now. But they may not know how you you grew up. But tell us a little bit about your background, if you would. Absolutely. I was born and raised in St. Louis, West St. Louis County. And I had the pleasure, which was to my dismay when I was little, but I went to several different schools growing up. My parents got divorced when I was pretty young. And I think I'm so extroverted because I was forced to be from switching school. So it worked out really, really well. You are definitely extroverted. I think that's you and I get along so well because it's like we're talking 90 miles an hour usually when we're together. But so you learned agility at a very early age and adaptability. Absolutely. And I know that that has served you well now. So who would you say was your biggest influence when you were a kid? It went through stages. Like my mother has always been my constant. She's always my, my go-to for everything. But you know, when I was young, my grandma... When I was dipping my feet into my first career, it was my stepdad. And now as I get a little bit older, I turn to my dad and my husband for all the stuff. So it goes through different stages, but there's definitely been the consistency. Yes, very good. Well, yeah, and I can say the same thing. I had so many people build into me. So tell me this now, you've done a lot of different things. You know, now I get it. <laughs> Why do you have the courage to step out? Because you've you've always been that way. You've had to, to learn to be adaptable. But what did you dream about doing when you were little? Oh, gosh. Okay, so the first thing I wanted to do was go into psychology because I, I wanted to understand how people did the things that they did. And I think that goes back to being from a divorce. Like, why? What happened? Where was the tipping point? And 
then it transitioned into well, that doesn't sound like too much fun because all you're going to be doing is listening to problems all day and who wants to do that <laughs> right so my stepdad would really press me and to think about he's like well what do you want to do like what's going to make you happy and i'm like shopping shopping makes me happy <laughs> and so i just knew when i graduated high school i was either going to move to new york or paris and work in fashion specifically vintage fashion and god clearly had a different plan but i would still you know if i had to do something i would move across the pond and work in an industry totally unrelated to what i'm doing now yeah but not ready to do that yet that's awesome well you know what i wanted to do i wanted to be a living newton john <laughs> Even know if you remember living it and John, but that's what I wanted to do, you know. But I could see that. I oh, could see that. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this because this is a leadership podcast. So, when were you first introduced to leadership? I mean, were you in sports? Were you in theater? Were you in any of that kind of thing where you took on leadership roles? Yes, to all. I loved theater, loved sports. I wasn't great at sports, but cheerleading was my jam. I could yell and scream and get people pumped up with me. And my first introduction that I can remember to leadership was I was co-captain of my cheerleading squad, my junior year of high school. And I learned two really valuable lessons. One, I learned what herding cats meant. And <laughs> two, that it's really hard to transition from being a peer to a leader. It didn't work out too well. But then the next year when I was promoted to captain, I ended up not having a ton of friends on the squad, but we had phenomenal performances. Like we were on it. So that I keep going back to that of like be empathetic a little bit more than what I probably was. Yeah. I think those early opportunities, whatever leadership role you're giving, I just feel like those things are great foundations for future. So tell me this. I mean, you've done a lot of things. I mean, you started really in insurance and you went into radio, then you were in TV for a while. You know, what have you learned about yourself? What have you learned about your own leadership style over the years? I think there's something like 15 different leadership styles. I'm adaptable as you said, it's funny because in hindsight, my career switches, they were all transitional moments in my life. So just to kind of back it up, when I first started in, I went into insurance because it was flexible because after school was college and then I got married and then I had kids and then I stayed home and I needed something that was flexible for my family. So insurance made sense. And then I got divorced. I was the sole provider of two little boys. I couldn't travel like I used to. So I went into real estate and then it was too demanding. So then I pivoted and I went into media, which I think everyone should either be in media or be a waitress. <laughs> because I you know, agree with you. Yes. It is brutal. And that's when, when I worked in television, I dreaded it, Lisa. I would drive to work and I would think it would be better to have something happen than for me not to go into work. It didn't serve me the way that a career should serve you. And so I quit. Like I had no game plan. I had two little boys that I had sole custody of. I had to provide financially, but I walked into my eyes like, I quit. This is not where I see myself growing. And I took the summer off. It was the most challenging summer and it was the best summer ever. 
and I would do it again in a heartbeat, but it really allowed me to reset and figure out what was going to be my next path. And for me to reach out and have leadership conversations with people that inspired me. So who could I connect with? Who do I want to be? And that's where the chamber came in. So back to your question on leadership, I would like to say that I'm like Oprah, where, you know, I'm this charismatic leader who can rally troops and transform the world. But I think I'm a little too competitive for that. So I'm going to go with kind of a hybrid between the charismatic and a motivating leader because laying down the hammer doesn't get anything done. Sure. But you know what? I see you as more of a pace setter. Yeah. So, you know, you're setting the pace and inspiring the team to keep up with that pace. So, yeah, I don't think we're any one style, to be honest with you. I think we're all hybrids because I've got that competitive edge too, but I also want to coach and see people grow and be a servant leader, you know? So I think it's okay to be both, but I want our listeners to understand it is okay to pivot and there's joy in that. The second thing that I'm thinking, just taking that summer off, you know, I call it Tabitha. I said, we've got to sometimes have meetings with ourselves, and you've got to say, what is bringing me joy? What is draining my energy? What is filling up my bucket? And I'm telling you, if you're going to a job every day that, like you said, you're going, it'd be better for something to happen. That should be a red flag that you need to have a meeting with yourself. Something is off. It should not be that way, you know? And so it's just a, a little red flag there. So I think that that's really good that you pointed that out and just took that time. So you did go to the chamber and, I, and you were there for four or five years and you had great career success there. But I want to talk about your next pivot because we have so much to talk about there. Uh, so you've not even been there a full year yet. You pivoted to Inspire CIO. And so Tell me a little bit about that experience. How did that come about? And then tell me a little bit about the history of Inspire CIO. And then we've got a lot of other things to talk about. So it's almost like that summer of me taking off happened when 2020 came in. <laughs> it was a forced pause and it hit so many people so differently. We were blessed. We were able to pivot to work from home. I had all my family, you know, under one roof. It was just fun. And when we got to the point of, you know, conversations, when we all thought we were going to go back to the office in 2020, I thought, well, is that what I want? Is that what's going to be best for me? Is that what's going to be best for my family? Was that what I want? Is that what my family wants? Like, what do we want? And so there's a lot of soul searching for that, which thankfully we had the days to do it. And I started reaching out to my network again. And I said, you know, what does this look like? Give me some conversations. and. These are the values I set for myself. These are the expectations that I want. I don't want to change. Like, I want to be selfish about this. So I was introduced to Inspire CIO by two superstar gentlemen, both of who you know. Yes. One that used to work for Technology Partners, uh, my good friend, David Alexander. And then by Don Gunther, who's a current employee at Technology Partners. Yes, I just had breakfast with him this morning, Tabitha. Two things out of that, Lisa, <laughs> yes. you hire well, so you know the secret sauce, but I've known them for several years and I wouldn't have known them had I not been at the chamber. Mm -hmm. You know, you look back and you're like, oh, I see what you're doing up there. So Inspire CIO, the number one question that I get asked is what is Inspire CIO? And it's usually followed up with, well, what do you do? 
And Lisa, unless you're kind of in the know, it's really hard to explain. In fact, it took me my first few months to grasp exactly what it was that we did on so many levels. So if you want, I can start with the history of Inspire. Yeah. So it started about over 25 years ago. It was 1998, the Georgia CIO of the Year Orbi Awards. They were born out of a gap in the market to recognize the outstanding work that CIOs do and what their teams do, because it takes a village, remember? And then as that grew, our CIOs loved it. And they started asking if they paid membership dues, could they have quarterly events that were non-commercial and non-vendor? They just wanted to connect with their peers. So that side of the organization was born and started growing organically. The pivotal moment came in 2014 when Brian Shield, he was the former Georgia CIO chapter chair and CIO for the Weather Channel. He moved to Boston for his dream job. So he's the CIO of the Boston Red Sox right now. He's actually our national chair too. But he was thrilled to be back in Boston. But he said when he was there, he missed really having a way to convene leading local CIOs to solve problems and build community. Thus, Boston CIO began. Boston CIO has over 80 members. It's thriving, it's growing, super well-received. And then from there, it just began to grow organically. So now we have 21 chapters, including the latest and greatest, which is St. Louis. Next year, we'll have 25 chapters and we're not stopping. So what we do is we recognize great CIO leadership and we foster those same meaningful peer-to-peer -peer relationships in all the chapters across the U.S. So we have over 800 members and it really began as a movement, if you will, right. from the East Coast to the West Coast and now we're everywhere in between. Yeah, it's very good. There's so many more questions <laughs> that are ruminating in my brain right now, but we do need to take a quick break and we'll be right back with Tabitha Saris. Are you an IT executive with years of experience? Are you energized when you empower others? If I've piqued your interest thus far, you may be a great mentor for the TechLX program in St. Louis. TechLX prepares rising IT leaders to tackle today's challenges and prepare for tomorrow's demanding roles by pairing them with senior IT executives like yourself. Mentors receive coaching from technology partners and will be invited to all TechLX networking events featuring outstanding speakers of the IT industry. To apply, visit tpi.co slash TLX. So Tabitha, you just gave us a great overview, a great history lesson on Inspire CIO. Tell me again, what is the purpose of this organization? I mean, what are you guys really trying to accomplish with the Inspire CIO? It's a twofold, if you will. So we have the award side, which recognizes the outstanding work that the CIOs and their teams do every day, because you know how it is when everything's working perfectly, no one notices, but when something goes amiss, then everyone starts pointing fingers. So we want to make sure that we point the good fingers at the CIOs for their recognition for all of their great work. And then there's the membership side of the organization. And that's really where the magic happens. CIOs have so many different options of different groups to join, and they want to know, one, how is this one different? And two, how's it going to help them? Because you know, time is money, time is valuable. Everybody wants to hear about your weekend and how your kids are, and that's great. But we found that when CIOs get together, they want an environment that is going to allow them to share their most vulnerable parts of their position and get constructive feedback, get help in a non-commercial, in a non-vendor setting. 
So just a little background, we're CIO led. Our members decide what the chapter does and how we do it. The members are led by an advisory board of our CIO members. And it's my job to execute on that. So just a little bit of a fun fact, we had our liftoff event in Charlotte. So I oversee our Charlotte CIO market. Great group, we're in our sixth year. It's growing and thriving and we're actually having sub chapters off of that because we have North Carolina, it's a big state. Right. But our liftoff event is the first member event that we wrap right after the Orby Awards. And that's when we introduce our new advisory board and all of our members come together to meet new members and decide the layout of the first two upcoming quarters. Cause not every chapter runs on a calendar year. So what's, you know, this next quarter look like and the one after it. So everybody can get at least six months of activities on their calendar if they choose to. We had a new member come in and they said, John Smith invited me to come. I came to a member event where we did a speaker around cybersecurity. It was, it was impactful. It was well use of my time, 45 minutes that I had so many nuggets to take away. So I just wanted to be a part of this group. And he's like, I want to know why other people joined because, you know, not everybody came to this one particular cybersecurity event. And sure. another one of our CIOs, he's with AIG and he said it brilliantly. He said, most CIOs have specific networks. You have your construction group, you have your healthcare group, but this organization has a combination of different industries that allow cross-pollination without the noise of vendors and sponsors. So another example that we had at that same dinner in Charlotte, one of our banking CIOs stood up and it was just all CIOs. We had 25 of them sitting in a well-spaced out room and he goes, I'm having this problem and I don't know how to solve it, which in retrospect, it's the great resignation, which is like the number one topic request that we get from CIOs is that and cybersecurity. But he was able to talk to maybe a couple smaller companies, because I'd say he probably fluctuates around the $1 billion in annual revenue for his organization, but he could pull from somebody who operates at $500 million. What did they do? And then another one who's at $5 billion. So you get a broad perspective, not only of industries, but of size. So the scope is a little different. And the other thing, Lisa, when it comes to membership, there are requirements. So you have to be the highest ranking CIO and your organization has to have an annual revenue of hundred million or higher. It just fits with our CIOs. That's what they want. That's what we give them. So yeah, it's peer to peer. Right. And it's so important because you're so busy running your organization that it's hard to get out there and network with your peers. But I look at you guys, you guys are kind of a convener facilitating, not that you are dictating what's being talked about, but you're putting a structure around this for the CIOs to gather together and to share these best practices and challenges and get real help, you know, from peers. So I love it. And St. Louis is the newest chapter. Technology Partners is very grateful to be one of the founding uh, members for the St. Louis chapter. To date, you said, you know, the company or the organization is 25 years old. You guys have now recognized over 350 CIOs with the Orby Award. And hey, where did Orby come from? Do we know? Do you know how that was even named? That is the million dollar question, Lisa. Our founders, Frank Bell and Jonathan Fry, 
really took it as who are you going to surround yourself in your orbit? And if you've ever seen an Orbi trophy, one, they're extremely heavy. They look beautiful and on a desk in an office, but they're just like this really cool globe that it is. It's who do you have in your, your orbit? Well, it reminds me of Jim Rohn, you know, that said you are the average of the five people you hang out with, you know? And so again, who are you going to surround yourself with? So that's where it came from the Orbi. See, I didn't even know that. That's awesome. So St. Louis, like I said, is the newest chapter. We've got 22 different finalists and tell our listeners a little bit about how it's structured. So I know there's a healthcare segment, there's a large enterprise. Tell us a little bit about the nomination process and then some of the things that are coming up for St. Louis. The nomination process is all peer nominated or underwriters such as yourself. Dan Roberts is a big partner of our organization with Aletten Associates. And we get nominations from a multitude of people. However, as an organization, we don't nominate anybody because it's peer-to-peer nominations or from one of their respected business partners. For St. Louis being our first year, we had over hundred nominations, which is absolutely outstanding. What's even more exciting is that we have five categories for nominations and they're everywhere from corporate, large corporate enterprise, large enterprise and healthcare. And there's a healthy handful of finalists in each category. But for a first year market to have five categories, that's pretty impressive. So St. Louis definitely represented. We're rocking. St. Yes. Louis is rocking. <laughs> yes. And it's just, they're so great too. All of our finalists are selected down through prior Orby winners. And then the judging process is done through prior Orby winners too. So there's a handful of judges that judge in silos. So judge A doesn't know who judge B is. And That's good. it is. And it's all done off of what the CIO submit. The finalists are all given a questionnaire to fill out that is extremely important. So they fill that out. And then they're also featured in the business journal, which is huge recognition, not just for them and their team, but for their organization too. So we do partner with the business journal on that. That's great. Well, so you've met some CIOs. You've met lots of them now in Charlotte, Kansas City, St. Louis. You may have even been to some of the other CIO events and some of the other metros. What have you seen as common threads? those traits, those skills that CIOs have curated over time that have helped make them successful CIOs? They are servant leaders. They are pace setters. They're transformational. Like the way that they think and process thoughts are very different than someone who might be at the VP level or a director level. They're grateful, humble. Their time is very valuable, but these are people that will sign up to be mentors. So if you're thinking about getting into IT or you wanna jump into that, find a mentor. They know how they had to climb to get to where they are and they don't forget that. But I would say very trusting, very humble, and they're funny, Lisa. They are funny. <laughs> yeah. Well, they have to have a sense of humor, right? Because sometimes IT can get really sticky. And I was in a meeting yesterday with John Meister, who is the CIO for Panera. Yeah. And he said, you know, the grit and resilience muscle that you have to build in IT is it's messy and it's hard. You know, he said, it's a terrible muscle to have to build. And as you said, the humility, I mean, all of those things are great traits. And I, I have seen that myself as well. So tell me this, this is called something extra. 
What do you believe is the something extra that every leader needs? Values, their core values, and not just to know them, but to live by them. And I'll bring it back to Inspire real quick. We have core values for our CIOs. It's relationships are first. We surprise and delight. It's not about us. It's about them. We get stuff done and details matter. And I've never worked for an organization that was so front and center with their values that is ingrained in everything we do. So as I look to the different leaders that I come across on a daily basis, I ask them what are their values and how are they implementing those, not only in their personal life, but with their team and as they hire. So values are definitely something that I believe every leader needs and strong communication. I don't think you can over communicate anymore. I completely agree with that statement. So tell me, Tabitha, you know, what are you most excited about that's coming up and how can our listeners get more involved? We have for St. Louis, from the award standpoint, our finalist reception and dinner. It's in person, which is so exciting. It's going to be the best night down at the St. Louis Club on the 17th of November. And then we have the awards, which is going to be virtual this year on December 3rd, but it's on our Imaginate platform. So when we talk about what innovative things have come from COVID, we found a a need in the market. (laughs) Yes, you did. That platform is so robust, so fun. You're not there in person, but you feel like you are. And, you know, you can move between floors, you can move tables and meet new people. Yeah, I would agree with that. That's a very robust platform. So Those are fun things that you're excited about. So be on the lookout because as Tabitha said, it will be in the business journal and uh, find out more about Inspire CIO. So Tabitha, this has been so much fun. I knew we were going to have fun, but this exceeded my expectations. So thank you so much for making the time to be on the show today. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me, Lisa. Thank you for listening to today's show. Something Extra with Lisa Nichols is a Technology Partners production. Copyright Technology Partners, Inc., 2019. For show notes or to reach Lisa, visit tpi.co slash podcast. Don't forget to leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you listen.